Welcome back, everybody, to the All Access USL podcast. We are, again, one week closer to the season starting. Of course, March 11th is when that is. So as of now, we are about two months away. That countdown is slowly ticking down. I'm excited. Uh, For today, um, now that the full schedule has been released for all the teams, we're going to go over some of the opening games, some of the tasty games, I think, to keep an eye on. Throughout the first month, I believe I have until we're also going to go over um, Mishi and Galina Tukas Tepe with that now being officially announced. Uh, he was like announced by Gus Tepe, but uh, the switchbacks took a bit, but finally cleared from both clubs that he is now a Gus Tepe player. And then we're going to go over some players who I think will take big strides um, this season. We've had a lot of well, we actually honestly haven't had that many transfers as of recently, but one of the more recent transfers um, will be on that list. But before we get to all of that, I want to point out, I believe, just one thing. And that one thing is that I I now have subscriptions set up, but it's not like necessary. All of the episodes, like the weekly episodes, will be uh, still here for free, but like for 99 cents, I will be releasing an extra episode episode or two a week. Um, uh, this Wednesday will be the first episode Wednesday, the 18th. Yeah. Wednesday, the 18th will be the first subscription episode to come out. It'll be the history of Louisville FC. It's going to be very, I think it'll be one of the best episodes I've ever put out. Uh, so if you want to listen to that, please don't hesitate. It's only 99 cents a month. I think it'll be worth it in the end. And I'm super excited to stay, take a step in that direction. And also, I've said this before, but coming up this season, I'm taking two more trips to USL Championship Clubs. Last season, I took trips to uh, Louisville City SC and to Detroit City FC. Both were fantastic. But this season, we're going um, a bit closer, I'd say. We're going to Lexington SC of USL League One in their inaugural season, which will be very interesting. They've only just started to release... Uh, the signings to their inaugural roster. So I'm not too sure how they'll be, but they play at the University of Kentucky. So I am very excited to see how that plays out and how they do in their first season to begin with. And then uh, for USL Championship, I'm taking a trip to see the Indy 11, uh, who I think will have a fantastic season. So to be able to see that play out in person, hopefully uh, will be very, very fun. But that is what I have planned for this year. If there are any other trips for teams that I spontaneously announce or plan, I will make sure to let you guys know. But I think it'd be fun to maybe see a couple of you people out there. Um, A couple of the listeners, it would be a great time. But I'm excited to see uh, Lexington and Indy um, in person, for sure. But that being said, that is all of the, like, announcements I have. I I we can just move straight into the matches that I want to talk about. Now, uh, there are a good amount of repeats on here purely because we're starting off fairly, fairly hot in the season, especially on the first day. Um, I will say there's one on here that I, I think Orange County or no. There's a big one between San Diego and another Eastern Conference side, which I think will be very important towards the end of the season. I thought about putting it on here, but right now I just want to cover the beginning of the season because 
the beginning of the season, like the first month or two, is obviously how we see how we can expect teams to really do this season. So if I feel the need to, we can go a bit later on into the season and pick out those games in like late August, early September. And we can pick out the game. I'll I'll actually do that. For the next episode, I'll probably pick out some games that which I think will be playoff deciders, like or you know, like third or fourth deciders or like home game deciders in the playoffs, title deciders maybe. Um, but for right now, we're just doing opening of the season because there is a lot of huge um, interconference games that will are already big. Um, but I don't even think I put any uh, interconference games on. I did put one. But a lot of outer conference games to start, especially on the opening day. So that's what we're going to get to. Um, the first game, however, is our conference, uh, and it is the Charleston Battery and the Phoenix Rising on March 11th. I actually have four um, opening day games here because there are some huge games on the opening day. But I put Charleston and Phoenix here because I think these are two teams who will be incredibly improved this season. I mean, we saw last year that Charleston were by far one of the worst defensive teams, but by all means, they are one of the best attacking teams. I that like they could put together a sustained attack in every game, but there were just games where their defense kept letting them down. And I think one of those games that um, shows that perfectly is that four three home loss to the Indy Eleven. Their attack was on fire. They were out for it in that game. They were ready, but Indy just were constantly breaking him down, which wasn't too hard last year, uh, and they lost 4-3 at home. So yeah, two teams who had incredibly disappointing 2022 campaigns are going to be looking to start on a high with, I suspect, playoff ambitions purely for Charleston. Um, how far in the playoffs they, or how high in the stands they go is debatable. I think fourth or fifth is about as high as they can go. Um, and then I put title ambitions for Phoenix, although I do not think they will be there. Um, Phoenix have lost a lot of key players, and they did just lose J.J. Williams to Tampa Bay. And I will talk a bit about that right now. J.J. Williams to Tampa Bay is a good move. I think he replaces Gwenzotti well, especially because of how young he is. I know Gwenzotti is not the oldest player, but he was hitting his 30s, if not already in his early 30s. But J.J. Williams is young. He had, I believe, 12 goals in the league last season with Tulsa, or no, Phoenix and Tulsa. Uh, he is a very capable striker in this league, and I think he will fit Tampa Bay even better. But regardless of the loss of J.J. Williams and everything that um, Phoenix have lost, especially after just adding Eddie Manjoma from FC Dallas, I think that the fans will still be expecting a great season in Juan Guerra's first full year in charge especially because that's what Phoenix is used to. They're used to very good seasons. The last year was a red herring, not something you'd expect, but it happened purely because I feel like they just focused a lot too much on quality and not really cohesion in the team, and that cost them a lot. So will this year be any better with likely a less, I think one of the less talented teams Phoenix have ever see, has seen, but with Juan Guerra in charge, who did a decent job at Oakland, I'll have to say he was pretty good there. Got them to the playoffs in their, yeah, got them to the playoffs. Or at least led the initial charge to the playoffs and then left for Phoenix, I should say. 
Either way, will he be able to get them to a title? I don't think so. I think that's what their ambitions will be. But I think playoffs should just be the hope for right now. I think San Antonio and uh, will have that a bit on lock again. Maybe San Diego. I think the switchbacks are out of it this year with the losses that they've taken. They've replaced pretty decently, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But I do not think that uh, Phoenix will be in that title charge. Um, I think Charleston, on the other hand, will be looking to start off well by displaying a good defensive game with signings with Derek Dotson, Declan Wynn, who is a bit more of a attacking fullback, but he can get back and defend. And also Trey Muse alongside un- emerging returning players. And then Charleston are also led by Augie Williams with a new contract and Aiden Apodaca. Augie Williams um, was fantastic last year. I believe 13 goals on the season, a very clinical player. And I like his game. I think he could score even more with Charleston now under new management and Ben Perman from Memphis and just the players that he has around him now. I think it'll be a lot of fun to see him getting uh, distribution from Declan Wynn and all of that, especially the new additions in midfield and the improved defense. I think it'll just allow Augie Williams to be a better player. And Aiden Abadaka, we know what he's been able to do with Charleston, a very good, well-rounded attacking player. So I think it'll be an interesting game. If I had to pick right now, I think Charleston would edge that 2-1. Um, I think it'd be closer than it'd like, and it wouldn't be the obviously the best start to Phoenix this season, but I think it would give them a little kick and just be like, you know, we are not the Phoenix of old. So I think, I think, yeah, I think Charleston would take this one 2-1. So we'll stick by that. I'll put that down because I guess I'm just making predictions for these now. So I'll say 2-1, and then we'll add these to the predictions for when the actual predictions come out uh, later in the month for the um, actual league predictions. So Charleston to take the opening game of the season 2-1 against Phoenix. Uh, the next game we have is Monterey Bay against Hartford. And I am very intrigued by this game purely because, again, it's two teams who did not do that well last year. Monterey Bay did honestly not too bad for an inaugural season in this league. Sometimes get mixed bag results where in like Oakland in their first season hit the playoffs just barely. They started off horribly, but in the end they got there. Or you could just have like an incredibly terrible, like Detroit as well. They did well this season, but they were on that other end of the spectrum. Did not finish in the playoffs, finished mid to lower end of the Western Conference. And Hartford last year were just mediocre. They found their stride in some games, but for the most part of the season, they were pretty bad. But they've added players like Elvis Amo. Um, trying to think here as well. Richard Sanchez, who I have said I do not rate that much. Um, but we'll see how it goes there. They also have Tab Ramos, probably one of the most coveted managers in the league, having that uh, storied career as a player, and then managing the Houston Dynamo. Didn't go well there, but he's here at Hartford. He was decent in his um, good amount of games that he managed last season. So we'll see how that goes. And then Monterey Bay have also added a good amount. I caught a little bit um, for not really rating Siaha. He was very good, but I think I still need to see a little bit more from him in goal. So 
it's just a game of I th- and I think both of these teams will be massively imp- I think Hartford more so than Monterey Bay will be massively massively improved. I think Monterey Bay will be pushing for that maybe sixth or seventh spot in the West. Hartford I think could be pushing for that third or fourth spot in the East. They have very much impressed me. Um, and I will get to the two teams who I think will be above that or the yeah the two or three teams who I think will be above them um, in a little bit. As for this thing, game though, I think a one-all draw fits perfectly purely because I, I don't know. I don't know what I really expect here. Um, because I know Hart, I know I think Hartford here will be or this season will be a very good side. Um, but I think away a cross-country trip to start the season is going to be very difficult. But I think once they hit the Eastern Conference and get their home games and get that, I think it will be a very good beginning start to the season. But they'll falter a bit here, taking that long trip. So one all draw against Monterey Bay. The next game, though, is a huge game. Probably the second biggest game on the uh, on this list. And the biggest is a USL Championship final uh, replay, pretty much. So... That's the last one. But this one is Tampa Bay versus Indy 11 to start the season. Tampa Bay losing Wenzati, but they bring in J.J. Williams. They bring back Forrest Lasso. They brought in Connor Sparrow. I think they are, in my opinion, the consensus number two. Um, In the East, I think Indy are the consensus number three in the East. Maybe even could push for second, but I think Tampa Bay edged them there. And I think Louisville are the consensus number one. And I think Hartford are the consensus number four. So, basically, in my opinion, in my predictions, which we'll see soon, I'm giving a preview, I guess, it's second versus third in quality, which is a huge start to the season. I mean, Indy have added Cam Lindley, Sabo Gonzati from Tampa Bay. They've got Sean Lewis in goal. They've got that great back line. Um, they've got Juan David Tejada still, who is very good, who they added from Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay just um, released Nikki Law. So Indy, very well-rounded. Tampa, very well-rounded. Not much to break these sides. And I think this will be a very fun game. I think we could see it be a, honestly, a three-all draw. I don't think there's much to separate them in terms of, I think, like, ending the season that we could see two to three points between second and third, should my prediction be correct of where they finish. I think it could be a two to three point gap. That is how close I think these two teams are. I really can't give... A winner here, um, I, and I, but I think it will be a very, very fun game. A three-all draw there, Tampa between Indy 11 on the opening game of the season. And to finish off the opening game of the season, we have Orange County versus Louisville. Now, Orange County have just added um, Owen Lamb from LA Galaxy 2, which I think is a very smart signing, a fullback or just general defensive player who can grow very nicely. I like what Owen Lamb was able to do at LA Galaxy 2, but Louisville have added so much. They've added Dylan Mares. They've still got that amazing uh, striker core of Wilson Harris, Musha Galusa, Cameron Lancaster. They, the creativity they have is fantastic. So I think more so than this being a close game, I think Louisville will take control, even though I think Orange County won't be as bad as they were last year. Playoffs, not too sure, not convinced. They have made some decent signings. They kept uh, Milan Oloski, their top goal scorer in the league or joint league top goal scorer from last season, which was a very important move to make. But how this plays out for Orange County, not too sure. Or 
if it plays out well for Orange County, I don't believe so, I should say. So I think uh, Louisville will take this one 3-1. Again, it's a cross-country trip to begin the season, uh, and they will be in California about a month later, which we'll get to as well. But I think Louisville will be be able to take this one, um, not maybe comfortably, but what we'll be able to grind out that 3-1 win. Um, in Orange County for sure. But Orange County, I think, will be much improved from last year. So we'll move on from opening day, and we'll head to the second match day, where we will see Colorado Springs play Hartford. Elvis Amo will return, or the Elvis Amo return to Colorado Springs in the second week of the season. So Hartford will move from Monterey Bay to Colorado Springs, and will be the Elvis Amo reunion already, which I think will not be that good for Colorado Springs because we'll get to it later as well. Uh, I don't think they have replaced their front three adequately at all. Uh, defensively, they've been fine. Um, replacing Jeff Caldwell, who I can't remember off the top of my head who they have replaced Jeff Caldwell with. But how Colorado Springs this year will do, I think they'll be around fifth or sixth in the West, and I think Hartford will take control of this game, and I think we'll see Hartford win 2-0 in Colorado Springs, which will be a big shock. And Colorado Springs also did just lose Brendan Burke to the Houston Dynamo uh, to be Ben Olsen's um, assistant coach, which is not great. And they did also just add Jay Chapman in midfield, a very good player, but I don't think what they've done is enough to replace what they have up top because you can add all the distribution you want. They added Romario Williams up top, Deshane Beckford, Speedy Williams, all that, I do not think it is adequate enough for the losses of Ingalina, Amo, and Haji Berry. To lose all three in one swoop is incredible. And I, it's hard, it, it's almost impossible to um, replace all of them. So, I mean, we have to be fair there, but I just don't think they'll be as good as last year, especially attacking-wise. So, we move on from that game to Sacramento-Louisville. Um, on April 1st, and Sacramento this year, I think could be a bit of a surprise package. Maybe around that fifth spot, I think is a good place for them. But again, I think this is just one of those games where it's not really how close of a game will be. Um, it's just that Louisville, on a road trip, will take big points here. I think it'll be a 2-1 win for um, Louisville, but I think uh, the scoreline will flatter how... Sacramento play. I think it'll be Louisville controlling the game for the most part, but Sacramento will hang in there, keep it 2-1, but I think Louisville will take all the points in the end. And then to finish up, we have um, Louisville-San Antonio, of course, a um, USL championship final repeat from last season in which San Antonio took it, but this time Louisville will be at home on April 15th. Louisville, obviously, all the additions. San Antonio have done very well in retaining players and adding where possible. They did lose um, a little bit, but I think San Antonio are still a very good side. And I don't think I can really... I think if this were at home, San Antonio will be able to take the win, but I think away from home, San Antonio will get that two-all draw, which will be a good... Honestly, a good result for both sides. So that is the... Going over the... Uh, opening games of the season for about the first month. Um, like I said, for the next episode, I will definitely go through to the end of the season 
and pick out the important games that will could possibly decide playoff positions, home playoff games, or even possibly the um, conference titles. So be on the lookout for the next episode. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with more. All right, and we are back from that little break. So what we are going to move on to now after that is I wanted to talk about um, what the switchbacks have lost in Michi and Galena. And then after that, we will talk about uh, what players I think will take big strides this year with their clubs, which I think most of them will not be that surprising, but I think it's worth talking about. So first, we'll go over what the switchbacks lost in Michi and Galena. Um, I think he was definitely their biggest loss purely because of how young he is and how clear his potential is. He is 22 years old, so he's younger than Amo. He's younger than Barry by at least four or five years each, um, comparing him to those other two. 12 goals and 8 assists in 2022. Crucial part of a threat three that was completely dismantled. Barry was a complete goal scorer, had some assists in him. Amo was a very good provider, could score as well, but Ingalina was both. He was clinical and he was a provider. That's 20 goal contributions at 22 years old for one of the best um, and fluid attacks in the league last year. Um, They got shut down a little bit, but for the most part, very, very good. So I think they have lost not only one of their best players, one of their best attackers and providers, but also... A lot of potential. And the fee that they got for him, I'm sure it was great, but they could have kept on to it for one more year, which I know is very difficult when a huge club like Gostepe comes calling. Well, huge club in terms of where he is playing with Colorado Springs and what Gostepe is. Um, he's always going to go to Gostepe. But if they could have possibly held on for a little bit longer, they could have gotten, I'm sure, a lot more money. Um, Maybe, probably even to replace him. But what they have now, I don't think really lives up to in Mishi and Galena. But how could it? So far, replacement-wise, um, Speedy Williams sort of can play at wide, but plays more midfield than wide mid. So not really taking him into account, even though he could play there. So we've got two players here. Uh, we've got Malik Foster, 24 games, 7 goals, 1 assist, capable player. Should fit in well, but not a like-for-like like replacement for Inglina. And again... They have lost Misha and Galena's youth. So that is a huge loss that they've taken there uh, that they just cannot find in this league. Unless they could go for Enosh Mushagalusa, um, who's more of a striker than Misha and Galena is, um, which they're not going to get him because he's probably going to find uh, go on that same route as in Galena is. Um, that's like the only like for like ish replacement that they could get, uh, in my opinion, for what? Cause, especially because they both played at Sporting Kansas City too together so that knowingness of what i guess both of them are capable of seeing as they both play together and are similar ish um but that's no chance so malik foster decent probably will start on that left side but what he is able to provide in terms of what nishi ingalina did i'm not sure and then they've also added to shane beckford from san antonio 13 games last year one goal um, seems a certain backup option for Foster or whoever should start on that left side. And he still is 24, so he's got that young aspect. Probably got, I mean, I always say 
of what I think a player's got him. So he's definitely got, uh, if he goes till he seemingly is out of legs, probably 10 more years playing, or at least in the USL Championship. But he definitely does not have the ceiling that Ingalina has, um, at least from what I've seen him play. Um, he got that one goal from San, for San Antonio last year in his 13 games. So uh, a, a capable backup option, a good backup option to have. He was a backup option on the USL Championship winners last year. So not a bad option to have, but we'll see if he can grow into that role. Maybe becomes the starter this year over Malik Foster. I doubt it. I think Foster is the um, for sure number one. But if the Shane can get some game time and find a stride, who knows? So those are that's what I think of the Misha Ingalini situation right now and who has replaced him in Colorado Springs. Don't think it's the best. Um, they've I think they're they've kind of done the best they can, I guess, but. I don't know. There's not much they can do, but I don't think they've done fantastic in terms of what they've brought in. So we'll move on to the players I, that I think will take huge strides this year. And to the first two are players that were already very good last year. And that's Enosh, the duo of Enosh, Mushugalusa, and Wilson Harris. They didn't, I don't believe they played together that much last year, as far as I can remember, but seeing them play together, uh, Wilson Harris being that finisher and Mushugalusa being a creator and finisher, both being very quick. Very dynamic players, um, very skillful as well. It would just be so much fun. But they're going to have, with Cameron Lancaster as well to come back, it is going to make Louisville have easily the best striker depth in the league. They've got Cameron Lancaster, who is probably still the best, if not just top three. You got Mushigalusa and you got Wilson Harris. Um, and Mushigalusa and Wilson Harris are still so young. There is still so much to be excited about um, in Louisville. And to see Dylan Mars be able to provide to them now. And granted, Dylan Mars had a good surrounding cast with him at El Paso last year. But I think if he comes in and is a starter from the beginning, um, Louisville are just going to be that much more dangerous. Will that lead to a USL championship title? Not too sure. They have been faltering at the ending stages a bit for the last couple of seasons. But maybe it is because it seems like they have this identity now and they know what they are. They're a, are, they are, they are a very attack-minded team and they do that at really any, um, however they feel like. It. Long balls, playing out from the back, you know, breaking, that, breaking down the opponent intricately. They do all of those so well. So I think... Um, that also just fits Mushigalus and Wilson Harris because they're both capable of being able to break down the opponent or just absolutely shithousing it from long balls. So I think that's also why Mushigalus and Wilson Harris will be fantastic next year. So watch out for them. Also watch out for Owen Lamb at Orange County. I really like this move purely because of how young he is, and I think it is a perfect move allowing Orange County to grow not only as like a homegrown club, but just defensively, because Owen Lamb is a very good two-sided defender. Out wide, he's very capable of getting forward. Um, he's also very capable of defending, and at how young he is, that is very hard to find, especially in this league. So I think they got a great pickup there. Could be a player that after two or three seasons moves up to MLS, like we've seen Jonathan Dean do from Birmingham to the Chicago Fire, which was a very 
interesting move to see. I think Owen Lamb could be a Jonathan Dean type, type player, although I know Jonathan Dean plays a bit more forward. Maybe Owen Lamb makes that move forward um, in terms of his position. But I think right now he's best fitted defensively, and it will be very interesting to see how he does at Orange County. I don't think he has a lot of competition there. He could come in and be a starter day one. Might have a bit of competition, though. Uh, but I think it is a great pickup, and I'm very excited to see his development continue in Orange County. Um, the next one we have is Ben Mines at Miami FC. Uh, again, purely because of how young he is, and I think he's moving into a team with definitely bigger expectations than last year. They finished sixth in the East last year, which I don't think was honestly disappointing because, well, it was disappointing in that they did put in some mediocre performances, but in those mediocre performances, it was still good enough to get results. But Miami will be wanting more this year, I think around fifth or sixth again, but I think the attitude in, and just ways in which they reach fifth or sixth will be a lot better than last year. I think they'll put in a lot more convincing performances It'll just be a better, well-rounded team. I think Ben Mines will help that. He played at Orange County last year, and I believe Colorado Springs last year a bit. If I'm not mistaken, I might be mistaken a a little bit, but I think this will be the perfect place for Ben Mines to play. Also from the New York Red Bulls Academy, but at Orange County permanently, I think this is a great move, and I think his creativity and just his his, uh, youth will be a big addition to that. Um... Miami midfield and attack. And he also links up with Florian Vallo, a former New York Rebels teammate. And then the last one I have here is Knight Pickering. Um, he scored that fantastic goal for Memphis last season, that fantastic overhead goal. But he also showed flashes of how he could be a very good striker in this league. Now, I know it's a big ask, seeing as he'll have to fight with Philip Goodrum, um, for the league's joint top goal scorer from last season. But like I said, in the minimal appearances, he showed very good flashes of what he could be. And he is 17, 18 years old, very, very young. If the new manager that Memphis have decides that he wants to play top two, I think we could see a deadly partnership um, be created in Memphis with Knight Pickering and Philip Goodrum. That would be fun to watch the experience and the pure clinicality that Goodrum has with the youthfulness and again pure clinicality that Knight Pickering has just rubbing off on each other I think that would be a lot of fun to watch down in Memphis and maybe they can keep up once again in the east and be a playoff team but we'll see how that goes so I think Knight Pickering will be a very exciting player to watch this season with that that is all for today's episode thank you guys for listening like i said at the beginning of the episode um subscriptions are now here 99 cents a month first episode comes out on wednesday it'll be history of louisville fc uh, sc but i should say that all the other history of videos have now been moved to subscription only so that's kind of where i'm going history of um and then deeper dives into usl league one and league two will also be subscription based alongside of anything else i think would be very uh fun content to create for the subscription um just i guess in general so you can find that on the anchor website by following the link in my bio on my instagram which is just all access usl and then i can also put a link i believe in a post for this episode i'll make sure to put it out there if anyone is interested 
Um, so yeah, episode for subscribers on Wednesday, and then next Sunday, next Saturday or Sunday will be the next episode of the regularly scheduled All Access CSL podcast. So thank you guys for listening, and I will see you guys either for the Wednesday episode if you subscribe or next weekend for the next All Access USL episode.